Hello, I'm Alec Wilkinson and this is episode four of Sailing Uncovered, the show that brings you the big names, the future talent and hot topics from the world of sailing. You can find us on YouTube, you can download us and listen at leisure on podbean.com. You'll also find us on Twitter and very soon on iTunes and Facebook as well. So exciting times and no excuse to miss a single episode, especially if you subscribe and follow us as well, because we'll let you know whenever the new show is out. What a galaxy of dazzling stars we have for you on the show this month. Two, yes, two Olympic gold medalists and a couple of America's Cup sailors. Hi, this is Nathan Outeridge and I'll be on the show in a few minutes, so keep listening. Yes, one of Australia's biggest named sailors joins us to talk about his unbelievable Olympic and America's Cup sailing campaigns. And he really is a man who never rests. We'll be talking to Nathan Outeridge very shortly. Also coming up, we look ahead to the final and deciding event of the America's Cup World Series in Japan. But first, one of Britain's gold medalists at Rio 2016 with her partner Hannah Mills. She'd already won silver four years earlier in London. And those two Olympic medals are in addition to her six World Championship medals, all won in the 470 class of boat. Welcome to the show, Saskia Clark. Hi. You've been around a bit, haven't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've uh, been doing this a long time, yeah. So about 16 years sort of full-time sailing. Seriously, though, congratulations on the gold medal. You've campaigned for so many years. Was there, I don't know, a sense of relief when it was finally yours and it was finally over? Um, I think just really proud, really, really proud of uh, the sort of team that Hannah and I were at the Olympics and that, that team we'd made with Joe Glanfield, our coach, and uh, that we really sort of delivered when it mattered at the Games um, under some really tough conditions that we had in Rio. OK, well, it takes two to sail a 470. So describe your relationship with Hannah Mills, because uh, she actually does the steering, doesn't she? Yes, yeah, so Hannah's the helm um, and I'm at the crew on the tra- uh, trapeze. Um, and we just have a really sort of great working relationship together, really. Um, you know, we when we're racing, we're sort of professional. We want to get the job done. Um, we sort of can have those awkward conversations with each other um, if we feel that we need to make some gains or, you know, like one or the other of us isn't quite sort of pulling their weight in an area. Um, but then when we get ashore, where we sort of have a great friendship and have a great time sort of travelling the world together. Um, and I'm sort of intrigued by these uh, partnerships because you live in each other's pockets you moved to Rio and did hours and hours and months of training there together so you always live together what 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 now now that it's all over are you still seeing each other uh yeah I mean we went uh, yesterday we went mountain biking together which is great fun um we haven't seen that much of each other the last month and I'd say I definitely feel a bit lost not having uh, a <laughs> that um focus um of a project to start with and not having han and joe around me which they mean they have been this is the longest we've probably not seen each other for six years pretty much tell me about joe uh joe's down in exmouth so joe's a double silver medalist in his own right as a 470 crew and he coached us uh, in london to silver and obviously this campaign as well and uh, he's been a sort of amazing friend and mentor to me over the years um, when he was a, com- a competitor and uh, you know, as a coach he's just been awesome in making the difference between a silver and a gold medal. Hannah presumably is going to continue? Um, Hannah's taking some time to sort of make that decision 
um, until they sort of have the discussions at world sailing level about what disciplines and what classes that will mean for 2020 um, it's quite a hard decision to make you know what boat you might want to go in and stuff so she's just uh, taking some time to think about that and think about her options yeah i think they they've got a an agm an annual general meeting world sailing in november which that'll be discussed although uh, i don't think we're expecting a decision that early um i'm intrigued by how you won the gold medal because you had to wait a day didn't you to seal the gold because of the weather but you you were pretty much there so barring disaster uh, it was going to happen for you, but did you? Did it spook you a little bit? Were you, I don't know if you're a superstitious person because somebody might start wondering, oh, you know, what's in store? Why is this happening? Why have I got to wait 24 hours? Um, I think between the pair of us, we had very different reactions. Actually, uh, Han definitely uh, got very suspicious, uh, very conspiracy theory. Uh, she, I mean, I think if she could have slept in our boat, she would have done just to guard it from anything. Um, I sort of just focused on uh, the fact that we were 20 points clear and there was a bunch of five boats behind us that were all sort of within three points of each other and thinking that they must be having a much more terrible time than us. Um, so that was kind of where I put my focus. Positive thinking. Um, did you ever manage to enjoy Rio? Because your time there started badly, uh, you know, the two of you were mugged um, and robbed but that was a, a long time ago and you spent a long time there afterwards um, and then there was the whole issue of the water and sickness and all the rest of it so uh, apart from obviously the moment when you finally won the gold uh, did you ever actually start to feel at home in Rio? Yeah definitely I mean I think it's some, something like 150 days we spent out there in the end and um, it's just one of those places you have to take as it is. Um, it's visually from the water, especially, it's an absolutely stunning place. You know, you're sailing around and you're looking back on the amazing landscape behind you, and it's beautiful. Uh, you know, many times we were on a ley line or something, and Christ the Redeemer is our tra- was our transit on that ley line. So it's pretty spectacular. Um, and from a sailing point of view, the conditions were really kept everyone on their toes. You know, we had such a range. Um, of wind speed, of um, wind direction and of sea state. So it really uh, was a challenging venue to get your head around and sort of try and cover all the bases. Two goals and a silver for British sailing. Um, And my next question in no way uh, intends to devalue those medals um, or the achievements of the team. But I'm just wondering, were you as a team happy with three medals, you know, given the resources and the efforts and so on that goes goes into the sport? Um, I know there's individuals in the team that are really disappointed with their performance. You know, I've spoken to them about it and um, they would have wanted to win medals and do better. Um, but I think, you know, the, the margins are getting smaller. Everyone's chasing. A number of countries have sort of copied our model um, and sort of added their own twist to it. You know, obviously everyone would like to win by 20 points in their regatta or likewise win every every gold medal, but that's not possible. So the fact that we won the medal table sort of proves where we are. Uh, I think that's a, a very good point about the margins getting getting closer. Um, and there were some uh, extraordinary performances out there on Guanabara Bay. So um, we've talked about Hannah tr- taking her time to decide what to do next. Um, what about you, Saskia? Um, so I'm definitely retiring from Olympic sailing and I'm going to start working for the Andrew Simpson Sailing Foundation in a month's time. Tell us a little bit more about that challenge for you and, and why you chose it. Um, well, it's 
definitely a challenge. <laughs> uh, I think just sort of retiring and walking away from British sailing, which has kind of been my family for the last 20 or so years, um, is kind of an institution, you know, and I've been used to having all those people and that support around me. So just the challenge of a, a retiring athlete into the real world is um, a bit scary. I would be lying if I said I wasn't scared right now about that. Um, but I'm looking forward to staying within the sport. Um, an area I feel really passionate about is sort of grassroots sport, which is obviously what the foundation is all about. It's getting young people, so under 25-year-olds, um, who sort of normally in their life wouldn't sort of be exposed to sailing or get the opportunity to try sailing uh, to give it a go. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a fabulous opportunity for them as well to have someone so experienced uh, and with so much knowledge uh, as you, Saskia. Um, Thank you. <laughs> We had uh, we had Bart's Bash, of course, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the results are coming in. The money, more importantly, the money is coming in. And we'd love to hear more about that. Can you hang on um, a little while um, and, and we'll come back to you and uh, you can fill us in on how Bart's Bash went? Yeah. Because it's time to get an America's Cup update. We're almost at the climax of the World Series. The six teams head off to Fukuoka in Japan in mid-November. I love saying that, Fukuoka. Uh, why are they going there, by the way? Uh, it's SoftBank, Team Japan's home regatta, and SoftBank, their sponsor, have their headquarters in the city. It's uh, as straightforward as that. Um, the top two teams get bonus points to carry into the America's Cup qualifiers next year, remember. So it really is an advantage to win or certainly come in the top two of the overall series. Now, mathematically, four of the six teams can still win, uh, presuming that we get six races and everybody competes in every race. So the permutations are endless, and uh, we'll probably be sitting there with calculators and computers trying to work it out as the racing goes on. But anyway, this is how they stand going into the final event. Top of the standings, Britain's Land Rover BAR with Sir Ben Ainsley at the helm. They have 437 points. The defender of the America's Cup, Oracle Team USA, are 14 points behind. Just three points behind them come Emirates Team New Zealand with Peter Burling helming. In fourth is SoftBank Team Japan with 399 points. And their skipper is Dean Barker. These events are the chance we have to measure the performance of the team and how we're improving and developing as a group. And yeah, it's um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of relevance that we, we take into um, what we're doing back in Bermuda, but there's obviously a lot of elements which are missing in terms of technology and design and everything else. And yeah, um, with one more event to go, it's nice that we're sort of continuing to sort of show improvement. And yeah, it'd be great for us and Fukuoka to be able to, um, to sort of step up another level again. Then comes our next guest, Nathan Outridge, helming Swedish boat Artemis Racing. We'll get his thoughts on Japan in a moment. And last, our Group Armour team, France. There's no way they can finish in the top two. So here's their skipper, Frank Camas, on what he can get from the final event. We don't have a big ambition in terms of a result because we know we cannot have the, the bonus point for the first or second place. So we, we need to, to take this, uh, this race uh, as a training. Uh, so change the crew, test new formula also and, uh, and improve the communication and the, the skill in terms of, um, of the communication between uh, driver and uh, tactician, etc. 
Our next guest won silver in Rio alongside partner Ian Jensen, or Goobs, to his mates in the 49er. It was their second Olympic medal because they won gold at London 2012. He's a multi-world champion in the moth as well as the 49er. He is Nathan Outridge, and he also happens to helm Artemis Racing in the America's Cup. And I caught up with him at the team base. Obviously, off the back of the Olympics, my initial reaction is to say congratulations on the silver medal. But for someone like you, so competitive, who won gold in London, what was your immediate reaction to that medal? Uh, I think by the time uh, the medal race came around, we were pretty excited to, to win the silver. I think um, it's been a, a tough campaign and Pete and Blair have been performing really well for the, the full four years since London. And, um, you know, we've been trying to chase them down like the rest of the fleet and, um we were starting to make some inroads um, at the very end there, but uh, we had a pretty tough first day um, with like an eight and a thirteen, and they had two first. So from there on, it was it was their gold medal to lose, and we were fighting to get back onto the podium. So um, you know, a little disappointing probably at the start of the event, but um, you know, we had a lot of belief that we could get back on the podium, and it was nice to fight for it at the very end. We don't want to talk about the opposition too much, but what, what do you think makes them so strong? Because they, they're on such an incredible roll, Burling and Tube. I think they were very motivated after um, you know, their silver medal in London to go one better. Um, and for sure, I think they were putting in a bit more time and effort than we were into the 49er class. And I think when you have that motivation and you're so driven with that one goal, um, it's very easy to to make gains and to, to keep learning and progressing. Um, I think when you've already won a gold medal, to try and go one better is it's a hard position to see where the, where the bar is. Um, and I think that's where they made their inroads. They were just pushing hard and they were so driven to, to go one better. And um, you know, not saying that we didn't have that same drive or that passion, but they were you know, started off very strong in the four year campaign and did their best to not let anyone catch them. Looking back now, and maybe looking back in a couple of years' time, are there going to be any regrets? Are you going to be quite happy with that silver medal? I don't think there's any regrets at all. I think, um, you know, we could have changed a few things to campaign purely towards a gold medal in Rio, which basically would have meant no America's Cup for myself or Ian. Um, And we were very fortunate that, um, you know, with our... You know, discussions with Perse and with Torbjorn about how we were going to run the last few years, um, it meant balancing the two campaigns. And we could have easily um, just done the Olympics. Um, but as everyone knows, you, you, you don't want to throw away any America's Cup opportunities you have, and particularly in the boats that we're in these days. That was something that we were very passionate about. But we both believed that the best way for us to continue getting better as sailors was to keep that Olympic racing in, because we know the isn't that much racing in the America's Cup the way it's set up at the moment. And so if we'd only done seven events over the last three years, we wouldn't really be pushing ourselves at all. Now, the Brits got two goals and one silver in Rio. Uh, They finished top of the medal table. You guys won one medal more, but only one goal. So you finished, I think it was in third behind the Dutch as well. Um, So what's the Aussie view of that? Do you think you still were the strongest uh, sailing team out there? I think that we left Rio as a sailing team, the Aussies being very pleased. I think after um, London's immense success with three golds and a silver, um, it was going to be a very difficult challenge to back up with, especially a few 
key members leaving. You know, we lost Malcolm Page, who has a wealth of experience, and Tom Slingsby. Um, and they changed the match racing class. So, you know, you're, you're very thin on numbers. So we had a lot of rookies coming to it this year, and it was it was great to see Tom Burton, you know, step up and pull off a very, you know, nice medal race, something that I'm sure even him, himself was doubting he might be able to do the night before it. Um, and to see guys like Jason and Lisa, first-time Olympians, um, so much young talent there, you know, going very well. Um, and then, you know, Matt and ourselves, you know, backing it up with, with podium finishes, I'm sure, you know, we both would have preferred to see the gold and the silver. But I think winning a medal is a lot harder than everyone gives it credit for. It's not like coming second at a Worlds or third at a Worlds. It's it's um, something that everyone's chasing and there's no excuses come the Olympics. So so where do you keep them, all these medals? Your World Cup medal, your World Championship medals, your Olympic medals? Uh, the Olympic medals are, are back together now. I've been, I had left the gold one back with my parents for the last few years because I've been travelling so much. But now that we're going to be just based in Bermuda the whole time, we've got the gold and the silver medal together. And it was really nice to get back to Bermuda after the games and, and sort of share it with the, the whole Artemis team. And, you know, all the, all the kids there were, you know, loving looking at the medals and hopefully we're inspiring them to get into sailing as well. So, um, Well, which is your favourite? I mean, logically, one would say the Olympic gold, but I guess that's not necessarily the case. I think um, the favourite Olympics of the three I've been to was London, I think, from the moment that campaign began with Goobs. Um, all our trips to, to London were always successful, always walking away with, with wins. Sometimes they were easy ones, sometimes they were difficult, and... We knew all we had to do was put on a good performance that week and, and we'd win and um, we did put on a very good performance. We, we sailed with very low errors and you know we walked away thinking, shit, that was, that was actually fairly easy and a lot, I was expecting more things to go wrong than what actually happened. And, and then Rio was almost the exact opposite. We'd been struggling for four years. We knew we had to sail really well and we didn't. Um, but I was very proud of how we fought back and how we dug ourselves from outside the top 10 to slowly get back into it. So I think when the event ended on the final medal race day, I was, I was more pleased with how we sailed in Rio in the end. Um, but as a, as a whole campaign and managing a campaign, um, the London one was hard to beat. So Ian Jensen, your sailing partner, do you ever get away from him? He's, he's here with Artemis as a wing trimmer. Um, how does that relationship work? Yeah, we, we've spent a lot of time together, probably in the last seven or eight years, and um, we were doing all the World Series events together, all the 49 events together, and all the ones in Bermuda, and we did make a change to uh, the World Series crew that left um, Goobs not on the boat for for a few reasons. One, because these are very physical, athletic boats, and um, we had other guys in the team who who had, you know, better boat handling skills, um, but not, say, better trimming skills. And the way that these boats work, it's more a boat handling race than a, a trimming race. But also, as, as Purse was saying to me, he could see we were getting on each other's nerves a bit. And he said, you've got to take a week apart from each other. Every this hour. is Ian Percy. Yeah, Ian Percy was saying to us, come on, boys, you know, you can't spend 52 weeks together for three years. And he was right. And it was actually probably quite a nice balance to get a week apart every time there was a World Series event um, meant that Goobs wasn't being run into the ground completely going from sailing on the turbo to the World Series to the 49er um, and he was able to get either a little bit of a break back in Bermuda during those periods or get his head into the development side of things a bit more so 
it's hard when you are spending that much time together, but um, you can only do it if you if you you get along very well and you understand the limits between each other as well. And was that your last Olympic campaign? I don't think you can ever know when your last Olympic campaign is. Um, a lot of questions on that and um, a lot of thinking about that. And I think one thing's for sure, I, I don't want to, and Goobs and I have discussed it, we wouldn't want to do an Olympic campaign the same way we've done this time. I think trying to do a three-year campaign in the Olympics as well as trying to do the full-on America's Cup campaign in boats that don't really complement each other that well is quite difficult. And I think if if I if I was to do it again, it all depends on when and where the next America's Cup's going to be, and if I still have a job and you know all that. So you look at a guy like Santi Lang, you know, he won a gold medal in his 50s. So uh, I think I've still got a few years left, but um, we'll see what happens after this cup ends as to to what the options are. We know when the Olympics are going to be in Tokyo. And I believe there's going to be some class changes between now and the start of next year too, so that might give some opportunities. Do you have an inside track on that? All I know is that from what I've been reading and talking to people, they want the Olympics to showcase a bit more of the direction of the sport. They want boats to be foiling. They want um, maybe you know foiling kiting and stuff to come in. And I think, you know, my personal opinion is I think we need to keep some of the traditional boats and sailing, but I think we need to promote the future of sailing and that is these foiling boats and I think we need to to look at alternate race formats as well that actually make it more interesting without compromising the integrity of the sport. You mentioned Bermuda, what's life like in Bermuda especially for those who aren't lucky enough to to have gone because you know a, a pro sailor living in Bermuda doing an America's Cup campaign presumably it's all about uh, luxury apartments uh, fine living, fine cars, or not? <laughs> no, no, it's nothing like that at all for us. I think. You sure? No, 100%. Well, you, you don't find many luxury cars there, and uh, you, none of us could afford to live in luxury apartments. But it's a very nice lifestyle there. Um, you know, there's a very good community where um, you know where all the cup teams are set up. You know, we're obviously in Morgan's Point. The others are in Dockyard, and between those two parts. Um, there's, there's a nice community in Somerset and um, most people are like renting houses, have access to, to boats and moorings. And so anytime you get an opportunity to have a day off or even an evening off, especially in summer, people are out spearfishing or going fishing or, um, you know, paddleboarding, enjoying the lifestyle. It's, it's, it's this once in a lifetime opportunity where you're going to get to live in what most people call paradise and, um, it definitely is paradise. It's such a awesome place to to live, and then you know we're sailing the most incredible boats in a very very um, user friendly um, sailing environment. You know, flat water, quite shifty winds inside the the bay there inside the reef, and um, you know I know everyone was questioning if it was going to be a good decision, and you know from my perspective, you, you couldn't find a place to train for the America's Cup without you know without the distractions there's just no distractions there besides other water activities and uh you go to big cities and and life gets difficult and things take longer i think uh you know we're very fortunate that um, we made the decision to set up there and and make the use of the year and a half preparation you've mentioned some activities there that you can get up to in bermuda but what what do you like doing away from sailing have you got any any other interests hobbies (laughs) what 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 uh, what floats your boat so to speak (laughs) I think I'm going to have to 
try and work that out now because I have never had that opportunity to think about what else I would like to do besides sailing because between an Olympic campaign and a cup campaign you actually don't get a day off but um, you know my wife and I have got a, a nice sort of um, fishing boat there um, neither of us are really into fishing but her dad's really into fishing and he's coming out to visit us soon so I'm sure he's going to teach me how to use the rod and remind me how to do that again but we we just quite enjoy um, having people over for dinner coming over on the weekend and um, you know we've got a dock out the front of our house so trying to encourage people to come by boat and just enjoy you know that the lifestyle and the weather M really likes going out on the water and um, you know we're going to try and do that quite a bit on the weekends if we do get days off. You all kind of live as an Artemis family out there um, and I think that helps the team spirit. Absolutely, you know, not only, you know, the Artemis family, it's it's strong because you move to an island where there are effectively, you don't know anyone there and, and the way all the work permits work, it's incredibly difficult for a partner to get any work on the island. And so, you know, the, the wives and the husbands and, and the children all end up sort of hanging out together and I think it's awesome for the team but I think it would be very difficult if you were the only team there because it... It is a little bit um, difficult at times, but we have the guys from Team Japan there, the guys from Oracle there. So there is a nice America's Cup community um, where we do get together for social occasions, whether it's, you know, you get to have a raft up or whether it's the fact that they put on Foil Fest a few weeks ago and they, you know, we all got together and did a bit of racing and, um, you know, the families are out supporting and watching the racing and, one thing I like about Bermuda is it's so easy to get out and do that, whereas I think when the teams were, say, in San Francisco, the water was so cold, it was always so windy, none of the families ever got a chance to, to get out on the water, and then people end up living so scattered that to go around and have dinner at a friend's house just didn't happen because it was too hard, so you go out to restaurants, whereas um, it's much more of a family kind of environment, and I'm, you know, like M loves to entertain. So three nights a week, we've got people coming over, whether they're from our team or other teams, and just talking about other things other than the America's Cup. Sometimes sounds great, and uh, I think the Brits are coming out in November, so they'll be the new kids on the block as well to add a little bit of something else to to the mix. Um, almost done. Just one more question. Uh, Fukuoka coming up uh, next. That's the last of the World Series, and then it's 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 on to the serious stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're looking forward to, to going to Japan. Um, I've never been there myself, and from everything I've heard, it's going to be a good sailing venue. Um, I know I've spoken to Dean a lot about it, and he said he's made a visit there, and it looks like it's going to be a great event, and, um, you know, it's going to be the final event as well. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to trying to... We're, we're, you know, we've been very inconsistent, in, I guess, in our results in all these World Series events, and... We, we found a bit of consistency in Chicago and then with my absent in Portsmouth, we're trying to, to go back to that consistency. So um, we need to just iron out a few bugs and try and get a good result there. And, you know, you don't have to win these events to be happy. You've just got to be sailing well and getting on the podium, I think, what makes you happy. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we're making all the mistakes now in this World Series racing because that will mean that we're hopefully not going to make them in the Challenger series, you know, even though the boats will be different, the race format's similar. You get used to, to, to interacting with the race committee and the way the marks and that are all set up. So, um, you know, looking forward to the, the World Series winding up um, and sort of saying, what are the main things we learnt from this racing format and how are we going to make the most of uh, 2017? 
Nathan, best of luck. Thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Right. Well, as promised, let's hear more from Saskia Clark and Bart's Bash. So, Saskia, you were telling us earlier in the show that you've uh, hung up your sails, so to speak, um, as far as Olympic sailing is concerned. Um, but you're dedicating your time to the Andrew Simpson Sailing Foundation. Um, I know Nathan uh, did his part um, and went off sailing. I think it was in Bermuda for Bart's Bash. So tell us how it all went. Um, I think we just had an absolutely spectacular festival of sailing over the weekend. You know, it was amazing from the AC teams in Bermuda, uh, you know, sort of obviously high-end, high-performance sailboats racing uh, to the Southport 24-hour race where, you know, which is always a great event anyway, but that was part of Bart's Bash this year, 800 people joining in uh, for a 24-hour sailathon. Uh, so I think just the uh, sort of the breadth of uh, people turning up and doing it was spectacular. So um, how much? That's the big question. How much was raised? Well, it's all still coming in. So from the 7, 000, over 7,000 sailors so far that have sort of reported uh, their results and everything, we've got £65,000 raised so far. Um, that's come from 58 countries. Uh, so that's pretty spectacular. Um, but, you know, the money and the end results are still coming in. So if you haven't got your results in yet, uh, make sure you upload them onto the website so we can get it all processed. So tell me about your Bart's Bash and where you uh, raced and how it went. Uh, so I did uh, Bart's Bash in Weymouth, uh, sort of working actually on the committee boat. Um, I think in Weymouth we had 120 boats and that was great. We had uh, Giles, uh, gold medalist, was there in a 49er. Sorry, G- Giles Scott was racing a 49er? Yeah, it was something to behold, yeah. <laughs> he was capsized before the start gun had even gone. Uh, Simon Hiscox was sailing with his young son, uh, Nick Dempsey with his kids, um, and then we had a lot of the other Olympic, um, Hannah, you know, Sophie Ainsworth, they were all just sailing with uh, young kids who had turned up and didn't have a, a boat to sail in, so it was great. Um, and then I travelled up to my home in Essex, West Mersey, for Sunday, and I raced a Sport 14 um, with Tom, with, who was the highest fundraiser from my local club at Dabchicks. And we should explain the £65,000, which is going to be a lot more once all the um, all the money's in, uh, is going to be spent on Paralympic sailing. Uh, well, Bart's Bash this year was all focused around um, Paralympic sailing, which has been dropped from the 2020 um, schedule in, uh, in Tokyo, which is a real disappointment for, you know, I think for everyone. And we really want to get that back in in 2024 um, to give all those people a chance to go to Paralympics. Cool. Well, the the very best of luck, and um, we'll continue uh, to follow you and uh, and and support you on that mission. Um, f- finally, you've said you've uh, retired from Olympic sailing. Um, what are you going to do with all the spare time? What What are the things that you've always wished you had more time to do? I don't know. Watch more TV. Go to the movies. Uh, no, you end up watching quite a lot of TV. Well, a lot of box sets as an Olympic sailor, actually, as you sort of travel the world. Uh, Your favourite. Uh, oh, at the moment, definitely Nashville. It's great. <laughs> like good sing country, <laughs> country sing song. Um, I think just hanging out really with friends and family. You know, um, sort of the amount of travelling you end up doing. Um, it means that you don't have. You know, you just sort of pop into people's lives for a few days every few months and then sort of disappear again. And uh, so you sort of lose that that closeness sort of with your family and friends so I'm really looking forward to just being around more and being part of my friend and fa- friends and family's lives 
Saskia, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us and the best of luck with whatever you choose to do in the future and especially, of course, with the Andrew Simpson Sailing Foundation and your job with that charity. And apologies to everyone that the connection with Saskia wasn't great. Great. Goodbye. And that is Sailing Uncovered for this month. We'll be back in late October with our preview to the Vendée Globe, which will feature two of the race's top names. Can you guess who they might be? Subscribe to our feed and channel and you'll get notified when every episode goes live so you won't miss a thing. Hope you've enjoyed this one and that you'll tell your friends to tune in. Goodbye and fair winds. Bye.